Have you ever thought that some of your favorite TV shows or movies would have done better and would have been more popular had they had been released in a different era? Of course you have. There are also some TV shows and movies that you watch today from the past that you think to yourself, wow, had this had been released today, there would have been an uproar. This would have been canceled immediately and there would have been hashtags all over the internet. That's right. (laughs) The sensitive times we live in these days. But today we're going to talk about one of the most, actually the most underrated Hanna-Barbera cartoon of all time. 1993's SWAT Cats. Here on the Cartoon Network, it's the SWAT Cats. There's Keyboard and Racer, the Cartoon Network's newest Top Gun Top Cats in one action packed half hour. So watch SWAT Cats, the Radical Squadron. Today at 5.30 on the Cartoon Network. SWAT Cats, the Radical Squadron, which is actually the official title of this cartoon. I think I should have mentioned that when I introduced it. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. It's kind of like uh, when people say, hey, did you watch Married with Children? I don't think anybody says that. It's very rare that you hear someone say Married with Children. A lot of times it's, hey, did you watch the Bundies? And the same thing goes for this title. It's not, hey, did you watch the SWAT Cats, the Radical Squadron? No, it's, hey, did you watch the SWAT Cats? I don't know why I dedicated so much time to the title of this cartoon. But anyways, it debuted on September 11th, 1993 with... Little to no publicity and hardly any fanfare. It flew under the radar like no one's business, and rightfully so. And I'm going to reveal why it flew under the radar a little later on. But at this time, Cartoon Network was still trying to find its identity as Ted Turner purchased Hanna-Barbera and all of its back catalog. And that included the Flintstones, the Jetsons, the Super Friends, and so on and so forth of all that junk that they had. And he wanted to start his own channel. Now, I remember when I was growing up, Cartoon Network was like a block, like maybe a few hours of a block on TBS. And the host was some shitty cartoon dog voiced by Bobcat Goldthwait. It it was such a strange time. Later on, we're going to get into why I think this show was doomed from the beginning. But first, let's get to know our two main characters, the SWAT cats themselves. First up, we have Chance Furlong, better known as T-Bone. Now, he was the bigger cat. He was voiced by Charlie Adler, who you may recognize a lot of his uh, voice acting work because he was on uh, Tiny Toons. He was Buster Bunny. He was also Ed Bighead on Rocco's Modern Life. And he even voiced that big-ass devil, literally big-ass, from Cow and Chicken. Ooh, you got a fat ass. All right, all right, all right, that's enough. Next up, we get to the smaller of the two, Jake Clausen, better known as Razor. And he was voiced by Barry Gordon, which is a very fitting voice actor for this role because he was Donatello on a little show that I like to call the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And as I said, this role was perfect for him because both characters were super beneficial to both shows. They were the ones who made all the weapons, they were the ones who made all the gadgets and all the vehicles and so on and so forth. So it wasn't too far off of a, of a method for him to try to get in the character. T-Bone and Razor were two hotshot fighter pilots. And I want you to think of them like kind of like, like, like Maverick and Goose from Top Gun, except for they're both alive at the end of the whole thing. And uh, I will say this, Iron Eagle is a more superior film than Top Gun. You can kill me later. 
Anyways, back to the SWAT cats. T-Bone and Razor were on the chase of Dark Cat, who had his own jet, by the way. I feel like a lot of the, the fight scenes really did take place in the sky, and, and rightfully so. But anyways, they were on the chase of Dark Cat, and Commander Farrell, who absolutely hates both T-Bone and Razor, they were, you know, just Jake and Chance. They were on the chase of Dark Cat, and Commander Farrell clipped their jet, and they flew into the Enforcer's new headquarters. They were blamed for that, and also for the escape of Dark Cat. And their punishment was to live and work in a junkyard for basically eternity to pay off everything. That That's exactly how it works. They were there for eternity. I don't know how long that is in cat years, but their whole nine lives were dedicated to working in this junkyard. On a quick side note, Commander Farrell was voiced by the incredible Gary Owens. Now, Gary Owens was a staple in Cartoon Network history and will go down as one of the founding fathers of this channel as he voiced Space Ghost in one of my favorite late night talk shows, Space Ghost Coast to Coast. said that if, it, if a comment like that... Was hit, that on a Tuesday? Uh, because I think I had a guitar lesson that day. Yeah, but you would think something like that. That's like being a, a police Listen, I can't worry about every little snafu. I have celebrities to talk to, like Moby. Celebrities, huh? So celebrities are more important than the safety and well-being. Nobody cares, Moby. Nobody cares. No one. One thing that I really did enjoy about this show was all the cat puns. Like, everything was a pun. You had Mare Manx. You had Mega Cat City. You had, you had all kinds of weird things going on. Uh, there was even a talk show host on there named David Litterbin. Uh, there was Deputy Mayor Calico Briggs, uh, Commander Farrell. And speaking of uh, Miss Calico Briggs, who I thought was uh, kind of cute for a cat. Uh, don't, don't ask me why. It's just such a, a weird thing to even bring up. But she was voiced by Tress McNeil. And, and if you don't know her or you've never heard her, she was pretty much... The majority of the females on The Simpsons, uh, granted a few like Lisa or Miss Kerbopple, but she was coincidentally even the crazy cat lady who threw cats at everyone. <laughs> the real star of this show was the SWAT cat's jet itself, the Turbo Cat. This thing was freaking awesome. I, I can't explain how cool it was to see this jet fly in the sky and shoot out the craziest amount of missiles I've ever seen in my life. Each missile having its own identity. Some of them came out with blades. Some of them split out and had chainsaws at the end. Just the craziest weaponry I've ever seen on a cartoon. And this was, you know, obviously the Turbo Cat is what it was called. And sadly, the toys sucked and the Turbo Cat never went into production. It was never a playset. And the, the SWAT Cat's toys themselves were just garbage. And for some reason, they are on eBay for upwards of $200. Uh, they had no articulation, well, little to no articulation, because you really couldn't move them as much. They weren't as crappy as the uh, 1980s WWF wrestling toys where they just had one pose, and that was about all you can move them to. But they were more along the lines of a little bit of an upper-scale McDonald's toy. One of the absolute best things about this cartoon were its villains. They were larger than life, and they really were the main focus of this show. Because 
Without them, the show probably would have been just a little bit boring. It would have just been two guys in a jet flying around, and that would have been it. But these villains were the, the this whole cartoon's bread and butter. I'm going to give you a list of some of my favorite ones, and we're going to start it off with the Past Master. Now, the Past Master was brought to life by two grave robbers. They, they were obviously trying to, you know, loot graves, and they were digging people up, and they came across an old casket. Now, they opened it up. The Past Master was brought back to life. Uh, he was awakened, obviously, and he's got the power to reanimate, you know, things from the museum. He's even got a pocket watch where he could open up time portals and bring dinosaurs and any type of creatures from the past to wreak havoc and try to take over Mega Cat City. Next up, we have Dark Cat. Now, he is single-handedly the reason why the SWAT cats are a thing. Um, he also reminds me a lot of Skeletor from He-Man. They both seem to love laughing and... They both like to say their plans for world domination out loud so that everyone around them and the world can hear. I never got why 80s villains like doing that, and I understand the SWAT cats were in the 90s, but he seems like a throwback to those just because of that. Uh, they just love to say their plans out loud, didn't care who hears, um, and that's probably a topic for another episode altogether. But if there was ever an episode that I'd like to recommend for you all to watch, it would be the first episode of him uh, appearing. It, it would be called The Wrath of Dark Cat. Now, that actually has a flashback origin scene for the SWAT cats themselves. And it's a retelling of the story I gave you guys earlier about them being two hotshot pilots and everything failing for them that led up to them becoming the SWAT cats themselves. Next on this list that seems to never end is Hard Drive. Hard Drive looked like a badass. He had this huge trench coat that had all this electronics on it. He had yellow eyes and this cool yellow mohawk. You couldn't beat this guy. He was basically the SWAT Cats version of Electro from Spider-Man. The dude kicked so much ass. He was able to hack into all kinds of things. He even stole the Turbo Cat and wreaked havoc on everything, framing the SWAT Cats for all of his wrongdoings. Such a cool episode. Dude's great. Um, and that's really all I have to say about him. He's just one of the more memorable looking characters in this whole series. After him, we have the Bonnie and Clyde of the series, the Metallicats. Molly and Mac Mange. These two basically drowned. Now, now they do show death on here. Don't ask me why, but they both drowned and their bodies washed up on shore, which a scientist brought and transferred their consciousness or whatever it is into two robots now they were great like i said they were bonnie and clyde i don't know what bonnie and clyde sound like but i'm assuming they had some rowdy accents because that's exactly what these two had they had like a brooklyn new york style accent i i, I can't put my finger on which one it is i don't want to offend anyone but they had great accents they were cool they even were at a point to where they found out the identities of T-Bone and Razor, and then their bodies were destroyed. Even after their destruction, they tried to get a scientist by the name of Dr. Greenbox to help rebuild them, to make better versions of them, to finally defeat the SWAT cats once and for all. And one of the greatest things about Dr. Greenbox was the fact that he was voiced by the T-1000 himself, Robert freaking Patrick. 
And finally, we get to the infamous Red Lynx. Now, the Red Lynx was considered the greatest fighter pilot in cat kind. And that's up until he was shot down by his arch nemesis, the Blue Manx. Uh, I didn't make up none of these names, and I'm confusing myself just a bit. But oh well, we're just going to keep on plowing through. Um, after he was shot down, he, you know, his plane fell into the ocean and nobody could ever find it. Until 50 years later, um, some scuba divers went under there, which makes no sense to me because cats don't like water, but over here they're swimming. Oh well. Anyways, I'm just ruining myself here. But anyways, they put his plane up for display at the Mega Cat Museum. Well, problem was is his ghost never left. He manifested himself in his plane and decided to wreak havoc on Mega Cat City. He even gave the SWAT cats a run for their money. This dude did it all in a Red Baron style airplane with very minimal weaponry. He took the Turbo Cat to the limit. Now, Turbo Cat, I've been bragging about that damn jet this whole episode. And for that thing to be taken way past its limits by just a small airplane tells me that the Red Lynx was and still is the greatest fighter pilot of cat kind. To make things even better, to add a little bit of a cherry on top, he was voiced by the legendary Mark Hamill. This was around the time where Mark Hamill was doing the voice for the Joker, obviously for the Batman the Animated Series. After doing a bit of research, I do feel like the SWAT cats were given a bad deal since the start. In 1990, Congress passed a Children's Television Act, and that was to restrict all the violence and adult themes in non-educational children's programming. So they gave them a three-year, I guess, a probationary period. Funny enough, in 93, when that probation period ended, the SWAT cats debuted. What a horrible time for this great cartoon. And it squeaked really past the whole networks because I feel like a lot of them, after reading a whole bunch of stuff, they thought it was going to be a failure. They thought it was going to be a massive failure. Nobody's going to watch this garbage. It's not going to happen. Well, this garbage in 1994 became the highest rated syndicated cartoon in for the whole year. The SWAT cats were doing something right. And it finally caught the attention of Ted Turner to where he said, Nope, this is way too violent for my channel. This is not the values I want to show. Because Ted Turner had a big hand in how we watch TV these days. And it's not only because he owns a lot of the channels, it's the rating systems that he helped put in place. So, the SWAT cats were moved to a different time slot and no one watched them anymore. They died out very slowly. There was a little bit of merchandise put out for the cartoon. Um, a couple of action figures, which now range from the $250 and up on eBay. A Super Nintendo game, which goes up to $7,000 on eBay, which is just ridiculous in my mind. I've played the game before, and it's just your typical side-scroller, nothing crazy. I think the fact that it's rare is what makes it, obviously, yeah, you know what? It's, it is the fact that it's rare that makes it very valuable. But we had a small glimmer of hope in 2015, because the creators launched a Kickstarter campaign to bring back the SWAT Cats in a possible miniseries, a full-length movie, or make just enough money to create a two-minute teaser to shop around to the networks. Well, they made over $140,000 
and that was just enough to make the two-minute teaser. Well, funny enough is Ted Turner came calling back. Turner Broadcasting said, well, you know what, uh, we were interested. But nothing ever happened. I think, really, they entertained the idea, but it just, I guess it wasn't the time for them. Fast forward five years, and in 2020, we finally get a SWAT Cats Revolution update. Problem was, it wasn't the update that we were looking for. Both of the creators informed everyone that they got shot down by Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, YouTube, you name it, no one was interested. And I don't even understand why. The concept art for it looked really cool, it was updated, they even got the same composers back, like, I, I just wish I would have seen this teaser. Now, that's the only thing that hasn't been released is a two-minute teaser, I would love to see that. Because I feel like something that's leaked intentionally will always do better than something that's forced. Uh, for example, Deadpool. Everybody wanted a Deadpool movie, studio said no, nobody wants it. Then they had that leaked footage, and now Deadpool's like a huge superhero, and he's made a ton of money. So I feel like if they were to just leak this trailer, it would probably blow up. To bring this episode full circle, I do believe the SWAT Cats would have done a lot better maybe 15-20 years later had they had debuted around the time YouTube showed up. Because when YouTube showed up, it was full of cat videos. Social media was blowing up. Everybody was putting videos on everything. And everybody was watching cat videos all day long. You go to the mall and everybody was buying these stupid button-ups that had cats with pizzas on it. And they were cats inside of tacos and they were shooting lasers out of their eyes, riding unicorns. This whole cat revolution had happened. Had SWAT cats been dumped right in that time, they would have turned out to be one of the legacy brands. They would have lasted long, like, like Adventure Time long. Or you know what I mean? Like they would have really been prosperous. It would have been one of the all-time legacy brands, such as the Ninja Turtles, or the Transformers, or the Simpsons. They would have been up there. It's sad to think that everyone thought that they were too violent. It was a TV show, I'm sorry, it was a cartoon, with two cats flying a jet. If you thought that was too violent, if you thought that that was going to, you know, force your child to go seek out a military jet and fight in the sky, something is wrong with you. And how can you not love a TV show that has one of the greatest commercials I've ever heard or seen in my entire lifetime featuring the late, the great, and my favorite wrestler of all time, Macho Man Randy Savage. It's the Macho Man and the SWAT Cat. Yes! These cats and you're going down. SWAT Cats, 4th of July America. If that doesn't convince you to seek out this cartoon, then nothing will. Actually, I don't even know what will. If you're not persuaded by the sweet, soothing sounds of Randy Savage's voice. As usual, you can catch me on Instagram, and that's going to be linked in the episode's description. I'll see you next time.